It's crossing the tape right now. Let me explain what's happening here. Some breaking news to share with you this morning. M&A related. There's good activism. I think eBay is in that situation. They got a jewel in PayPal. There's bad activism. Unfortunately, JCPenney was a dying company. Examples of activism gone awry. It was not a surprise to me that that deal fell through. This is such a game changer. This has been a weird year. It's been a weird year for me. So, and I'll tell you about it in a second. What's your year been like? My year started off well, but I've gotten hit a couple times, like pretty hard on things like Disney, Johnson & Johnson. There's just been a couple outside losses I've taken that have uh, kind of made my year very blah. Like I'm up for the year, but you know I'm up a little more than 60% of what I was up last year, which was a good year. And it's just been annoying. Yeah, but like what about it regarding like the deal environment and like – I just feel like this year things are different. The way that stories are disseminated is different. The unbelievable amount of deals, spec arb that have fallen apart is insane. Like we can go over that list later, but it's been very difficult to even try to play that game. Uh, I think that game has been really hard this year, but I, I also think there's been a lack of actual deals, you know, and it it's led to me trading things I probably shouldn't be trading like, you know, Disney or Johnson and Johnson and, trading them because I think what's going on is just ridiculous, but getting caught on the wrong side of just a massive flow. I feel like this year has been a year where it's impossible to get any sense of timing on anything. So we've seen things drag out over months and months and months. Like forget even like the Nielsen's, the Arconics, like that was like a last year that bled into this year. But situations like uh, Cone, situations like QEP that go for like six months. They have these, uh, you know, like fake bids on the table and they just drag and drag and drag. They trade tens of millions of shares and then ultimately fall apart. And so it makes it difficult. How can I get behind anything with any sort of conviction when you have this graveyard of failed deal attempts? And then the other question is, why is this happening? I don't have a great reason for why. I think a lot of it has to do with like the macro environment and politics, especially if like the buyers are non-US. I think there's a lot of like worry over national security and antitrust and who's going to approve what. What do you think about this theory that we've seen a couple of deals that were like either take unders or like very little low premium deals. And so therefore, Maybe a reason that a lot of these deals aren't happening is because the premiums that are offered by private equity are just low. And they're like, what's the point? I guess that's possible, but we've seen some some deals happen with decent premiums, like AYR today, you know. And that came together very fast. Yeah, and it, it did come together really fast. What about um I think buyers might just be like reluctant to pay up right now. Right, And that leads to the sellers reluctant to like take a lower bid and it makes the deal not happen. Right. I think right. people are worried that, you know, I think people are worried. They're worried what's going to happen with the election next year. They're worried that, you know, we're on the verge of a possible slowdown on the economy, like a recession coming. I think there's a lot of like uncertainty out there and the market at the same time is like on all time highs. Right. What do you think about this idea? This year was marked by many, let's call them failures, let's call them bad bets, whatever you want to call them, amongst activists, right? So, hold on, let me look at this list right here and I'll tell you. Um, okay, so 
QEP, Howard Hughes, Nielsen, Arconic. There was a bad bet or Starbird tried to disrupt Celgene. Campbell Soup. Cars, another Starboard name. Just lots and lots and lots of these failed disruptions or failed takeovers or a failure to put something in play. And yet, when these guys, Starboard, Elliot, whoever, initiates a new position, these stocks still explode and they seem to get full credit for things that might not ever even happen. Perfect example, Emerson. Emerson's a good example. And Emerson, though, like that whole space has just gone up. Like it's hard to like strip out the Emerson outperformance. Like the industrials have been so strong. But when I look at something like MPC, you know, it, it also is stunning to me, but they got almost everything they wanted super quickly. And that stock for like weeks never downticked. And I think even after it had a pull in after earnings, it still is like headed back up now. Well, I would say. And so is that space. The whole refining space has been on fire. Right. Since the MPC activist actually spoke. Like those things are, they go in the bucket of like the craziness going on in the market right now. Well, look at Aramark, right? Aramark is the epitome of all this that we're talking about. Nothing really has happened. The stock without him being there would probably be in the high 20s. And yet it sits here at $45. Emerson, yeah. 75 Nothing has happened. I, I thought Emerson was a sale yesterday. And I was on the conference call yesterday. And I thought the conference call like made me bearish about the company's outlook for the next year. You know? Also, management to me, and I think you'll agree, like management kind of dug in. At Emerson? Yeah. Management at Emerson sounds to me like they want to do anything they can to keep their jobs. Like, right. You know, they're they're happy to look at everything everyone wants them to look at. They they want to seem like they're cooperating with everyone, you know. I don't know. There's a lack of sellers in these. And, you know, events that used to bring out the selling in them, it just doesn't happen right now. Yeah. Maybe it's a function of us being on all-time highs. Right. All right. Let's get to uh, a couple individual names. So the first one, and this is the most interesting one right now, is the Tiffany situation, Right. So I just want to go over a, a, a few different scenarios in it. Okay, um, we we didn't we haven't heard from Tiffany yet, which is maybe the weirdest part. So why haven't we heard from them yet? I, I think Tiffany is in conversations with LVMH, and Tiffany is saying like, "Listen, you know, raise your bid a little bit. Let us tell everyone you raised it a little bit, and then let's start talking." And you know, we saw that Reuters today, which basically said that. And Tiffany to me is a weird one because it. You know, we're going into the most important time of the year for Tiffany. And, you know, if it doesn't go well for them, the downside in the stock is very moving right now. Like, we don't really know what it is. But LVMH has been pursuing them for so long and cared about them for a while, according to everyone. And, you know, now that he's finally making his move, he he probably wants to see it through. What do you think the sort of like risk arbs playbook says to do in Tiffany's right now? Like, wh- how do you see that if you if we were going by the playbook, what's going to happen? Well, I, I think you probably want to buy it every time it pulls into like 124, 123, 125. And, you know, wait for the bump, which will probably be a bump to, you know, 130, 135. And hopefully Tiffany will accept it. Right. So agree on a deal. I mean, 120 isn't his final bid. Right. He knows he has to pay more. What about 
Okay, so I guess the the what everyone is hoping for is that LVMH is not the only bit. I mean, the only other bitter would be Richmond, right? Right. Well, that is the thinking. Yeah. Is that how you say it, Richmond? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure that Richmond wants to bid against Arno. You know, I I imagine you know whether it's official or not. You know, they've they're probably not going to get involved in a bidding war with him over this. What's the last name that you can think of? retail or not where it was sort of like an asset you know like this is people will call this like a trophy asset um that was in play and got multiple bidders people would would speak to like federated department stores even though it was a long time ago yeah i I can't think of one this belmont that lvmh bought was sort of like that on a much smaller scale there was a story in the new york post Take it for what it is. The LVMH story? Yes, that said that LVMH really I thought only that was, had wiggle room to 125. Yeah, I thought that was just a ridiculous story. Why? Like, I mean, first of all, I, I don't put a lot of credence in the New York Post. It was out, like, really quickly after it. It was in tune. Remember Faber was reporting that morning how uh, there's no way they would pay the all-time high. and Which is 140. Which is 140. Right. And it, it kind of sounded like LVMH was out there just trying to talk the stock down. Right. And also, like, what do you expect them to say? Like, here's our 120 bid, but we'll pay the all-time high? Like, everyone's sort of negotiating in the public sphere right now. Uh, what are they supposed to do? Yeah. Um, so, okay, so fine. Based on today's news, we got news today that essentially they are talking behind the scenes. Um, of course they are, right? It's possible that, the I mean, the board, the Tiffany board met on Sunday. I expected some sort of press release on Monday. We haven't gotten it yet. Um, and I guess they're engaging. I was expecting something like maybe we formed a committee. We, we, we the press, re- the press release we expect is like, you know, this significantly undervalues our company. You know, 120 is nothing we'll sell for right now. We welcome discussions regarding a higher price or something. Right. Let's say a week goes by. Next week, LVMH walks away. Okay. Where would Tiffany stock go? Where did it start? Like ninety? Uh, let's say ninety. I don't know, maybe a hundred or something. I, I, I don't feel think like it's, I would be a buyer at a hundred. I wouldn't be a seller, um, but then again, you're going to be long Tiffany into Christmas, right? All of a sudden, you have a special situation that is in its like most sensitive time of the year, and they said themselves that a lot of this coming quarter will rest on Hong Kong and whether the protests are gone. And so you, in that way, maybe is LVMH being opportunistic because they know that this is a problem for them right now and earnings are slightly depressed? Uh, it's it's possible. I mean, I, I think he just, he's been watching it for a while and he just wants to make his move. Like right. he just wants it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I think if he wants it, he's probably going to get it. Um, I don't see him walking. I wouldn't be shocked, right? He doesn't want to bid against himself. If it was ninety, and he's bid any bought any final final bids at one twenty five. I don't think we hear him say final bid, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anything else to say there? What are the odds you think this gets done? Seventy percent. Seventy. I think that's about fair. Um. All right. Let's go to today's news, which was Xerox Hewlett Packard. Weird story. Weird story. You know, a lot of people seem to focus on the different sizes of the companies, which is probably just a red herring. Like, you know, these companies, if they merge, have 
good synergies, you know, and it makes a lot of strategic sense to put them together. Um, I mean, I could also make the argument that, like, they're both kind of like blah companies and putting them together makes another blah company. Yeah, but, but you there's, could say that about Dell and EMC, and yet people have loved these combinations. Yeah, and there's a lot of love for Xerox, like even before today. Yeah, would you would you agree that free cash flow? Clearly, they had this sort of loaded in the cannon, and they were just waiting for this Fuji thing to finally resolve itself. I feel like we don't know the whole story here yet. I I feel like uh, I put like a twenty five percent chance that like Icon is making this happen somehow. You know. And it's, it's hard to believe with the amount of control he's had that he wouldn't have be all over this. Yeah, but do you think he has a position in HP? I don't know. I can't decide yet. I, I'm not sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him file on HP. How is there any deal besides, let's say, Eldorado Caesar, where we've seen a buyer be a third of the size of the target? Nothing that wasn't like an inversion. Right. Yeah. That I can think of offhand in any any time recently. But, you know, again, that's not super important. Like, you know, it would be structured as Xerox is the buyer, but in reality, like, HP is the buyer because they're going to own most of the company in the end. And, you know, it, it doesn't – I think a lot of people are caught up on that facet of it, but it's not as important as it seems. Okay. So I guess the first question is, uh, A – why would Hewlett take this? They have a brand new CEO. I'm sure he wants to make his mark. Why would they want this? I have a big problem with that. I, I don't think Hewlett will want this. And I also don't think Hewlett will turn around and bid for Xerox. You don't? No. That's obviously people thinking this is all, uh, they're just trying to goose out a bid. Because I believe Hewlett was in like Deal Reporter last year that they had approached Xerox. I mean, that's the way it's trading right now. And into the close, we saw that's the way it traded. Mm -hmm. HP sold off, Xerox mm -hmm. rallied. Everyone's calling it like the Pac-Man defense, um, where like the seller, the company that's the target turns around and eats the company trying to buy them. Um, I just don't think Hewlett wants to do this. And, you know, Faber this morning was like, Hewlett was surprised by this move, you know, which makes me think like, Hewlett didn't bid for Xerox anytime recently. There are no talks going on. It was supposed to be a year and, ago. And I think a CEO ago. Yeah. And the, the Xerox guy told us he was going to do something like this yesterday, too. That's what makes this whole thing so crazy. So crazy. Xerox is, seems to be being opportunistic. Um, also, I mean, the ISI put out a, uh, some slides today and they said that Hewlett shareholders would want something in like the high 20s, which seems crazy, but... Yeah, so the premium they have to pay is equal to the Xerox market cap exactly. to get a $2 billion run rate synergy. Right. I, I'm not saying that's, like, not worth it or anything, but, like, this whole scenario and the setup is really weird to me. And, you know, a lot of the people I speak to, like, when they run their sheets, tell me that if this deal happened at, like, 23, Xerox would even go higher than it is now. And, you know, what do you think? Like, if we walk in tomorrow and mm -hmm. HP says, like, okay, we agreed to get acquired by Xerox for $23 a share, um, cash and stock, do you think Xerox goes up? I think it would crater. Meaning? I think the stock would probably eventually land around 32 It closed at probably 37 today. I, I'm with you on that. And uh, a lot of people think that's wrong. 
a lot of and my answer my my counter to them is like so you're telling me that the HP shareholders are going to walk in and the stock's going to be bid twenty three fifty because Xerox is up and they're going to be like oh yeah I'm going to sit here with these companies till the merger is complete and I'm going to wait for it and then it's going to go even higher because this is such a great combined entity. I mean, and it also goes back to what you said, meaning, okay, is this even really a takeover? Hewlett's going to own 70% of it when it's all said and done, except now, as the, if I'm a Hewlett shareholder, okay, so I own 70% of it with this new management team that I have to trust is going to deliver these crazy synergies. Yeah. It's a big leap. It's and a, that it's a big leap. And sold to those people. deals in general tend not to work out like people say they will. Right. Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I have a... But people loved how Dell EMC worked out. Yes. And Dell EMC, though, Dell, I mean, Michael Dell is amazing. You right. know, it's hard not to like what he does. Um, do you think, for the people that think that Hewlett's going to flip this and buy Xerox, there's a couple problems that I have with that, which is this new CEO, right? He wants to do his thing. And I don't think part of his new agenda is spending $10 billion on Xerox. I don't think that's – I don't think he wants to do that at all. Right. So then the second question is – and this is a bigger one, and it, and it will probably lead us to the next conversation. If we're getting LBO chatter in a name like Walgreens, right, which would be like – I don't know, with debt, like $90 billion? Yeah, but don't you, don't you feel like Walgreens is kind of like Nordstrom? I don't even want to get there yet. Let's finish up on this. Okay. Would – is Hewlett-Packard in play for everyone is I guess what I'm saying. Does this put the name in play as a whole? I mean, if Xerox stock stays where it is, I guess it does. It is yeah. a PE-ish deal, right? Like, it, you, you could see them team up, everyone gets together, you own Hewlett-Packard. Yeah, I I guess so. But again, I, I didn't really think of that angle of it. Like, to me, uh, Hewlett wasn't in play today. I, like, it was this deal or no deal. Right. Or Hewlett turns around and buys Xerox. Right, right. All right. What, so what we, odds do you put on a deal even happening? Then? On uh, either way, yeah, fifteen percent, twenty percent. I guess I'm I'm a little higher, but like I'm definitely under fifty. Way under fifty. Yeah, I think the stocks are telling you it's under fifty. Yeah, I I think the stocks are telling you that we don't understand the full story yet. Right. Okay. Briefly, let's talk about Walgreens. I interrupted. You said Walgreens sort of like Nordstrom. What do you mean? I mean, it has a large shareholder who's like angry, right, right. at where yes. the stock is, and uh, he's looking to LBO it basically with right. like a team of PE people, and he's looking to buy it into an election year where healthcare is a major issue, and in a, as Amazon's like galvanizing, yeah, in, in an extremely doing. like changing industry that's getting disrupted. Right, I think it's insane. Like, uh, what would you put? We're talking odds. So, what would you put the odds of this coming to any sort of a deal? Like, less than 10%. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I don't think we, there's a good chance we never hear about this again. Meaning, yesterday was it, we never hear about it again. I guess that's possible. You remember when Paul Jacobs tried, was in in the midst of the Qualcomm? Oh, yeah. He was was suddenly going to raise $90 million and and take Qualcomm private. It sort of reminds me of that. It reminds me more of Nordstrom, where it's like a, a very rich family or person who's like angry where their stock's trading, and right. you know is says something like, "Oh, I'll just take it all private now." You know, right? 
I don't even think, you know, not being like a, a complete expert in the debt market, but the amount of leverage that would be needed to do this, I don't even think it's doable. I, I don't even think it's LBO a bull. It would uh, be like 7x leverage or something. Just based on that guy's stake on yeah. the 16%? Yeah. It has debt too. Uh, a lot of I debt. mean, I don't know if it's... Uh, I don't know if it's impossible. I don't know who would finance it, though, given the disruption and the uncertain political future of the space. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, you want to you want to finance something where you could, like, predict what's going to happen. Like, you're going to have your, your spreadsheets telling you, well, you know, I guess there's a 30% chance Amazon just destroys your business. You know, a 25% chance that the election has some like negative consequences for you it, it just doesn't it doesn't look like something that's amazing to me right yeah going back to what we were talking about earlier in the year um i had a list of of, of failed names for you i'll, I'll read them one more time qep cone Hule, uh, howard hughes nordstrom semantic philip morris biohaven nielsen arconic circor cure Celgene, red robin achc campbell's avaya cars all of these fell apart. All of these fell apart. And yet you get something like box, right? Where Starboard will file in box and the stock will just go up 30% and just sits there. And so, and I guess my question is, like, why? I don't have a great reason. I, I don't think things make a ton of sense right now. I think there's a lot of, like, irrationality and non-predictability to, like, if something's going to behave like you think it should. Right. Um, all right, moving on. Um, what? Okay, I wanted to talk about... Well, let me ask you, what interests you right now? I think Fitbit's kind of interesting. I'm sure it's some Fitbit. Um, I don't mind losing the 30 cents on it to like 7.35. I okay. think it... Uh, Why? Do you think this drags out? I think it's like... I think it's only due for negative headlines, and I think the risk reward on it is wrong. The up down, right? Yeah, because what theory being, no one has a bigger target on their back than Google. The government's going to look so close into this. The EU is going to look at it. The U.S. is going to look at it. I mean, the U.S. has already like made some noise about it. A couple senators, you know, people. People just hate Google, though. Yeah, and they're you know, easy to hate. Now they're going to have your like health data too you know it's just uh it's something people are going to make noise about right do i think it closes ultimately probably but like yeah, I do too. you know i don't think orbs can own the whole company and truthfully i don't know why any long holders still have it you know to make the last 30 cents with the downside being like three yeah yeah it's crazy what about there's been obviously these the FTC's role in pharma and biotech acquisitions has changed this year. It's changed, but you could argue maybe it changed back. They they changed the head of the FTC, right? There, not only was the top person at the FTC uh, removed, but there was a general top level cleaning of everyone in the FTC. Um, there's just constant pressure from Congress to do something, anything, just you know, this election about drug pricing. And creates some level of competition, um, and the FTC in particular has been examining these what they call format uh, or platform companies. And so, format or platform companies. Now you're talking gene therapy. Now you're talking like Spark, Roche, uh, and apparently they've sort of 
given them these options. And we saw this a little bit with, with Celgene, which is either divest the marketed drug or you divest the pipeline drug. And it's therefore to create this sense of competition. Now, if once goes through, and again, this probably is what's been holding up Illumina, Pack B. So if once goes through, do you think that this, not that we haven't been seeing biotech deals happening, but if once goes through, do we see a proliferation of deals? Well, no, I, I don't think they've stopped announcing deals because of this. You We've know? seen deals announced. But what's gotten blocked? I mean, Pack B Illumina isn't the same as once. They're totally different. Illumina, Illumina owns the market. Their only possible competition in the near term is Pack B, and they want to buy them. You right. know, and that's the only possible sequencing that you know could even compete with theirs. And it's still losing money and not like totally finished yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Pack B, I, there's no way that deal happens, right? Like. You know, the U.S. is going to block it. The U.K. The is going to block it. it. Yeah, you know, they. The only possible thing they could do is somehow come to a deal with the U.S. and then go to the U.K. and be like, you know, look, we came to this deal. Could you agree to it? But the deal would probably involve licensing the technology they're buying, and they're not buying it to license the technology to other people. Right. You know, so it. I I think that one's kind of dead. Mm. You know, once, you know, probably, or Spark, Spark, according to Cap Forum, is going to happen next week, I think, right? Yeah, since when, though, have they broken something like that before? I I feel like they have, to be honest. I feel like they've had some, some... Uh, That's a big call. Something. It's a big call, and it, it's... And if they're wrong, it's like it's reputation. It's gotten traction. It's, da- it's, it's damaging beyond reproach to your reputation if you're wrong. Yeah. So they probably know. Um, all right, let's. I'm just going to go through a few names. You tell me what you think. Uh, Exalta. I don't really have an opinion on that one. That, that's been going on so long. I think Exalta happens. I think the likelihood is like 90% it happens. But I don't think it's anywhere, cl- you know, people were throwing out crazy numbers. I think it's like 31, 32 best. The question is when that does get announced. How long will that take to close? If it's what if it is what people say it's going to be, PPG and teaming up with private equity, how long will that take to close? I actually don't have any opinion on that. No. Okay. No, sorry. Um, eBay. eBay sounds like something is going to happen there. eBay got weird though, right? eBay got weird. The CEO left. They didn't mention. They mentioned StubHub. They haven't mentioned classifieds. This seems like another situation that got way too ahead of itself too fast. Well, it right. seems like eBay itself internally is disagreeing on what they should do. Right. right? Well, it yeah. seemed like they were, and then they eliminated that problem. Um, I kind of think a 35 is interesting. But again, two, also, like these are big deals that people need to swallow. Like I forget what classifieds is, but I believe it's like a $10 billion plus deal. So, I mean, again, big deals have been hard to come by. Um, Aramark? Aramark just doesn't ever go down it's in it's insane yeah, it's insane i mean i feel like i have i feel like someone has better information than me and our mark what about um this hgv this is the hewlett vacations company uh, i traded some of that but i don't really have an opinion on it this is the whole thing where they got i think a 40 dollars bid from apollo but the whole the the catch is that hewlett uh, sorry hilton um 
think I said Hewlett. Hilton needs to sign off on it. Uh, Hilton, like the mothership. Um, also very high right now. Um, Marathon, we kind of talked about. M- Marathon, people have crazy numbers on. You know? Like better than Elliot's 80? Elliot has an even higher number if they do the other separation too, right? Like Mar- Marathon has agreed to like spin off the... The convenience stores. Yeah, but there's another spinoff, right? Like, yes. Elliot wants it split into three parts. Yes. Yeah. And they haven't said they want to do the other part yet. The marathon thing came together so fast. So fast. Yeah. Um, we heard about Bloomin' Brands today. I really, like, I, I don't really care there. CSOD was another name. Remember, that was the name that like, canceled out of five conferences in one day. But then they reported yesterday, and they talked about they wanted to be a buyer themselves of assets. So... Like, I feel like that's a little strange. That might be it. Anything else you want to talk about? This year, I have found it very hard to find any conviction in anything. Like, we have had no sense of timing. We've had no sense of, of price. The strategic deals haven't been leaking. We All we hear is about private equity deals, and they keep falling apart. 